you just want to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 61, we're going to be there for quite a while. So you can just put a marker in there for Sundays. This is our third week. If you missed the first two weeks, I do encourage you to listen to them online. Get on our podcast. You can go on our website, lwfcmidland.org. Because uh, I, I can't possibly review everything from the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, we did an introduction and briefly just talked about when Jesus spoke these words of Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty those who are bruised, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that he stood up and did that in his town, hometown of Nazareth, and they didn't receive him. And so we, to put it in a nutshell, we talked about not having that same heart as Nazareth, that we're not going to allow, we're not going to keep people where they were, that if they were just a carpenter before that we, we're going to allow what happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon them for them to be more than that. And then last week we, we looked at the first part of the first verse and we talked about the names of God that are stacked there in Isaiah 61 verse 1. There's four, four names of, of God that are, that are stacked there. And we identified that it's important for us to know who the Spirit is. That's upon us. That we're not looking for just a spiritual experience. We're not looking just for something that has spiritual power. We are deeply interested in who is the Spirit. And so we went through that and identified that this is representing the Holy Spirit, the one who was there at the beginning, hovering over the waters, and the one who's here with us today, who fills all of God's family, every child of God is is indwelt, is, has the Spirit of God living inside of them. I don't know why I suddenly got all weird, weird sounding, but I did. I know it's, move over here, that help. <clears throat> so I want to read Isaiah 61. Uh, let's, read, let's read a little bit here. Isaiah 61, verse, starting in verse 1. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God to us. And the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will, you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. 
For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns her head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up from before all nations. Amen. It's right there. Just love reading that passage again, that whole passage. There's so much in there. And last week we got through the first sentence. And this week, guess what we're getting through? The second part of that first sentence, actually. It's not even the first sentence. There's a, just, just from the comma to not even the next comma. And so last week we talked about the Spirit, who the Spirit is. And this week we're talking about the anointing. What is the anointing? You know, um, if you didn't grow up in a Spirit-filled church, you, you didn't hear about the anointing. <laughs> You, that wasn't something you mentioned. Am I right? Okay. I grew up in one, so I did. But uh, I've heard that if you grew up in a different tradition that wasn't a spirit-filled tradition, uh, then the word anointing was just not something you do. Now, in the spirit-filled tradition, it's thrown around everywhere, right? Anointing, 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 anointing. So it, it can it can be, in some ways... Overused. We, we just throw it out on everything, you know. And so we want to look at what the Bible says about anointing and what anointing is and what it means for our lives. If you were expecting the Father's Day message, it was earlier. That little short thing, that was it, okay? So this is a good message for all of us fathers. I need the anointing of God in my life. So... Um, so I want to look at this. We talked last week about the names of God. And so I want to highlight the name of God that's in this second section. Because the Lord has anointed me. You'll notice if you have a Bible there, you'll notice that the word LORD in there is all caps. L-O-R-D in all caps. In an English Bible, when it's L-O-R-D in all caps, that means it's the divine name of God, Yahweh. Or traditionally, it was also called Jehovah. In other words, that's the name that God revealed himself to Moses when he says, Who is it that you say is going to send me? And he says, I am that I am. In other words, that's who, you know, I, I am. So it's his, it was his divine name. So this is specifically, this is God's personal name. It's his revealed name. It's like when God says, hey, what's your name? Who are you? He says, I'm Yahweh. I'm the Lord. And so right here, it's specifically saying, he is the one who is doing the anointing. It's God himself personally that's doing it. It's not just his name as the great one far off. No, this is, this to me, Yahweh in the Old Testament is like Jesus in the New Testament. This is the close, intimate name of God. doesn't mean it's not strong. There's power in the name of Jesus, power in the name of Yahweh. Uh, but this is, this is his personal name. And so this is God personally saying, because it's him. The Lord is the one doing the anointing. So what, what is anointing? 
So, we're going to do one Hebrew word this week. Everybody say one. <laughs> Last week we tried several and I stumbled a little bit. So, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with one this week. So, the word um, anointed here is the word mashach. Mashach. It's the hey at the end. Uh, that, that guttural sound. So, the word mashach literally means to smear. Or to rub into. Or to consecrate and cover with. To set apart for something. So those are some of the main definitions for the word mashak. Now, let me, let me tell you the name of Jesus in Hebrew. If you've never heard it before. The name Jesus in Hebrew is this. And see if you catch the, catch the similarity. Yeshua HaMashiach. It's good. My throat's a little rough today, and so actually saying that Hebrew word is actually helpful every once in a while, so I don't have to like actually do that. You know, in the mic, it actually is supposed to be there. But did you notice Yeshua, Jesus, that's Jesus in Hebrew, the Lord saves, Yeshua HaMashiach. In other words, did you notice the Mashach there? (laughs) There's the Mashach in there, in the Mashiach, Okay. In other words, the anointing is there. It's, if you go to Greek, we, we're more familiar with this term, Jesus Christos, Jesus Christ. Christos is the Greek word Hamashiach in Hebrew. It's the same thing. It means this, anointed one. Messiah or anointed one. And so Jesus himself, in his name in a, who he is he's coming as he came as who the messiah the christ the mashiach it means that he is coming himself with the anointing with god smeared all over him with the presence of god rummed into him being the the one who is set apart for his task for his calling for who he is called to be and so there is an identification even in the word anointing with who Jesus is. He is the anointed one. So when we talk about us being anointed, we are talking about who Jesus is being rubbed into us, being smeared upon us, being us being set apart to be like Jesus. Because once Jesus left, he said, "Look, I have to leave." So the Holy Spirit can come. In other words, I need a whole body of people. I can only be in one place if I'm on earth. It's just the anointed one. The anointed one can only be in one place. But if I leave and I send the Spirit, the same Spirit that anointed Jesus, I can send upon every human who has trusted in me. Then I can have anointed ones, lowercase letter, (laughs) just so we differentiate that we're not Jesus, okay? Just clear that up. Uh, I can have anointed ones all over the earth. And they can be my hands, they can be my feet, they can be everything, my heart, they can be me in this world. Because we need the anointed ones everywhere. Let's do this for, okay, let's, before I get to that. So it's because, this is what the anointing is. So it's the anointing, the ability given... By the presence of God 
to do something that you could not do on your own or to be someone you cannot be on your own. Hey, come up and help me, will you, John? John's going to come up and help me. So the word anoint means to rub. Okay? And so, you know, paint is different than, than like, than like uh, stain. Oil finish, oil, oil stain. I believe this is oil. Uh, don't want to spill this in here. Okay? Pray right now. Okay? <laughs> Who wants new carpet? Um, <clears throat> we just got it not too long ago, it seems like. So when you paint something, you know, have you ever noticed when you paint something, paint can just peel off. It doesn't actually go into what you're painting or it just covers it. And so the anointing, the anointing is not like that. God doesn't just cover us and we're still us on the inside. You know, the anointing is like this. The anointing, Just see if you can open that. Um, <laughs> check the oil can beforehand. If you want to know what color it is, it's this right here. Let's see if He-Man can get it open. This might be just an illustration that you have to imagine. Okay. Oh, he's trying. He's pushing down. I don't know if it's opening. Okay, you know what? Here's the deal. You can figure it out here. Okay, if I... I tried to do a cool illustration like my wife and it didn't work. Okay, so let's just chalk it up for that. If I... Hypothetically, if there was oil in there that we could access... I could take this cloth and put some of the oil on it, and I would begin to rub it onto this piece of wood, right? Shane's going to give it a shot. Anybody got some pliers? Just punch a hole in it, sure. <laughs> okay. Well, this stuff is old, huh? So if I if I take this and start rubbing it on there, yeah, that's working. Maybe that isn't that color. I think this is a different color. That's dark walnut. That's not what's on there. That's good enough. You can't peel that off. The, the nature of the wood has been fundamentally changed because the oil has anointed the wood. So this wood has now been anointed with dark walnut. I have, to, I have to get, in order for me to get that off, I would have to get below where the anointing touched in order to change it, in order to get back to bare wood. If I put enough oil in, I could soak it all the way through 
the oil. See, that's what the anointing is in our lives. It's not just that God comes upon us and kind of covers us with something and we're still the same. No, His presence comes upon us and we are smeared, we are rubbed into, we begin to be changed. We begin to be transformed. We begin to become somebody different than we were before because the Lord has anointed me. He is not just put a little bit on us too. He has given us the very best. He said, I'm going to give you the Spirit because the Spirit Himself is the one who's anointed us. The Holy Spirit is the one. And so I think it's a great... Uh, great truth for us to understand that the anointing is not something that's just like, I'm going to come on you and I'm going to come off of you. The anointing is something that needs to soak into every part of who we are. Every part of our lives. Every part of the way we think. Every part of the way we talk. Every part of the way we live. The anointing is meant to consecrate and saturate all of who we are. Now there's three anointings. Actually, let's, let's do this first. Notice it says this. It says, because the Lord has anointed me. That, in fact, is the past perfect tense in Hebrew, which means a completed action. In other words... This is something that has already been done. It's not asking for something to happen. It's, it's saying this is what has happened. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He already has anointed me. Doesn't mean I can't get more oil. I can put a fresh coat of oil on this thing all the, whenever I want. Whenever I want to get a little bit more, I can freshen it up. Sometimes we need a fresh coat, right? We need, we need a little more oil to soak in. That's what we get when we receive the, the presence of God to continue to touch us and fill us again. In the New Testament, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit continually. It talks about the disciples. In Acts 2, they were filled. And then later in Acts 4, they're filled. They're filled again in different places. In other words, you can get more saturated with oil. But once you're anointed, you're anointed. This wood is now anointed. You can't change it. You can, the only way you can change it is to burn it up or something. Destroy it. You have to totally, completely consume it. The oil has been rubbed into the wood in the same way God says, I'm going to put my presence in you and rub who I am into your life. So there are three anointings that are mentioned in the Old Testament. Number one is this. Turn to 1 Samuel 16. It's not going to be on the screen. 1 Samuel 16. This is the anointing of David. And it's so awesome. I want to, we want to read this story really quickly. 1 Samuel 16, in verse 1, it says, The Lord, notice it says, capital L-O-R-D, that's so Yahweh said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. In other words, you don't go anoint a new king when there's still a king ruling. It's not normally kosher to do that. But the Lord said, Look, 
Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I'll show you what to do. So if you don't know the story, basically Jesse brings all of his sons up. He brings the first, the oldest, who's the strongest, who's like the big old warrior guy who looks like he should be the man. And God says, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. And so he goes through all the sons and none of them are lined up. He's like, you got any more sons? And in verse... uh, 11 he asked him are these all the sons you have there's like seven of them and he's like well there's still the youngest jesse answered but he's tending the sheep in other words he's not really that important samuel said send for him we will not sit down until he arrives in other words no one is eating anything we're not doing nothing till he shows up so he sent for him and had him brought in you got to imagine that wasn't a short trip i mean it wasn't like hey david he's out he's right out there it's like they had to send someone out to the flocks of the fields, it probably, it may not have been that close. So they're just waiting around. So he sent for him and had him brought him and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon david so the first anointing in the old testament is the anointing of the king david's is actually different than everyone else's because david is a foreshadowing of the messiah you'll know jesus is called the son of who david why is he called that because david was a picture of the messiah david is the only person in the old testament whom the holy spirit came upon and never left Only one. See, the picture in the Old Testament was, I'm just going to come upon you for a while and then I'm going to leave. I'm going to come upon you for your task and when that task is done, I'm going to go. But for David, there was a different picture. It was a picture of Jesus and a picture of the new covenant. What it's going to look like to be a believer in Jesus would be that the Spirit would come and He would never go. He'll be with you forever, as Jesus said. The Spirit will come and be with you forever. So the anointing of the King was for this. Authority authorization, and special commission. Authority, authorization, and special commission was the anointing of the king. There are even foreign kings anointed in the Old Testament where it says, like God says, oh, I anointed him to take over this land. And it was a special commission from God. In other words, God was with even some of the evil kings. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like blows your mind. But he was accomplishing his purposes, even using people who are totally stupid. So when you see something happening in the world and you go, that person can't be used by God. Well, they might be able to be used by God because God can, if he decides to do something, he might go ahead and do something crazy. Use Nebuchadnezzar or somebody else that you're like, that guy? That guy's got so many issues. He's a complete whatever word you want to use that's that's not a sin. But the, so the, the, The kingly anointing was this, authority, authorization, special commission. Here's the second anointing. Turn to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40. I might be in luck here. I'm almost out of voice. Exodus chapter 40. So this is the anointing of the high priest Aaron and his sons. In verse 13, Exodus 40, 13, it says, 
or verse 12, bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him, and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics and anoint them just as you anointed their father so that they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generations. And Moses did everything just as Yahweh commanded him. So the anointing here is the, the second anointing is the anointing of the priest. So you had the king, the anointing of the king was authority, authorization, special commission. The anointing of the, of the priest was this, consecration and purification. Being, what does consecrate mean? Set apart for a specific purpose. Right before this, they anointed everything in the, in the tabernacle. It's like, there's the, the lampstand. Anoint it. We're going to cover it with some oil. Altar. We're going to anoint it. We're going to anoint all this stuff that's going to be, in other words, all this, the anointing in the temple in that place was to set it apart as holy unto God. And so the anointing of the priest is the anointing of consecration and purification. And you'll notice it wasn't, it wasn't just a one-time thing with them. In some ways, their anointing was to fulfill their calling as the priest, as the one who stood between man and God and ministered and interceded. So that's the second one. Here's the third one. King, priest. Anybody guess the third one? You're like, I'm not talking. <laughs> Go ahead, it's okay to be wrong. Sometimes you, you only learn to be right after you're wrong, right? Uh, that was first, I mean, there's a lot, but we did First Samuel 16, uh, I think verses 1 through 13, something like that. But really, almost, there's a lot of kings in the Old Testament, it says they anoint them as a king. So that happens all over. First Kings 19, let's try First Kings. 19, verse 16. I'll just read this one to you. So this is where Elijah is in the, in the cave and he's trying to listen for the voice of God. And God says to him, uh, Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. There's another king being anointed. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahalah, to succeed you as Prophet. So the third one that we find in the Old Testament is the anointing of the prophets. You've got the king, the priest, and the prophet. The anointing of the prophet was this, to speak for God and declare righteousness. To speak for God and declare righteousness. So you've got the three anointings in the Old Testament. Now when Jesus comes in the New Testament, guess what? He's all three. He comes with a kingly anointing. He's born, you know, born king of the world, of the earth. He's born as a king. He is, he is the priest. He is our great high priest. He's the last high priest that was ever needed. It says in the book of Hebrews that he is the one that intercedes for us between the Father and, and us, that Jesus ever lives to make intercession. And then his sacrifice, his death on the cross, was a part of his work as the high priest. Instead of bringing the sacrifice, he brought himself as the sacrifice to offer himself up in Hebrews, as it says, once and for all. 
And when he was done, he sat down. The priest would only sit down after they were done with their work as a priest. What did Jesus do when he went up to heaven? He sat down on the, at the right hand of God, meaning my work is done. And so he had the anointing of the priest, but he also had the anointing of the prophet to be the one that spoke for God. He was declaring what God was saying. He, said, he was only doing what God wanted him to do. And he was definitely declaring what righteousness looked like. When Jesus showed up and said, hey, you've heard it was said this. Hey, you've heard it was all about the outside stuff. Don't murder. Don't do this. He says, no, look, it's about the heart. It's about what's on the inside. If you're, if you're going to have hatred inside your heart, that's the same as murder on the outside. I don't want to just change your outward actions. I want to change you on the inside. So he began to declare and reveal, hey, what is right Righteousness, what does right living look like? Jesus had all the anointing, and he showed up, of course, and he quoted this scripture, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, and said, this is fulfilled now in your presence. Now, I want us to look at a couple of scriptures in the New Testament that show us, hey, are we anointed or not, or was it just Jesus? Because that can be an important distinction that, hey, was this just a special deal for him or was this for, for somebody else? And so Second uh, Corinthians 1, 20, verse 22, we, we got these on the screen, but you can write these down. So it says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Don't you love that verse right there? Such an awesome one that all the promises of God are yes in Jesus. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He what? Anointed us. 1 John 2.20. Oh, okay, yeah. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. In 1 John 2.20, what does it say? It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. So it sounds like it's for more than Jesus. Let's go to verse 27. As for you, the anointing you received where from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it, it has taught you, remain in him. So the anointing was not just for the anointed one. The anointing is for the followers of Jesus. And he still has us anointed with what? Authority. Does he give us... It's interesting. Do you think about the word, the special commission? Did Jesus leave a special commission for the church? The great commission, go into all the world? That is a part of the kingly anointing as royal priesthood, well, we're going to get to that one, as, as royalty in the kingdom of God, we're also called the priesthood, right? The royal priesthood. So we have the authority. We, are we also priests? Yes. We are a royal priesthood unto God. We don't intercede for like salvation or cleansing of sins for people anymore. But guess what? One of the things the priests did, what did they do? They ministered unto God. They worshiped God. One of the 
ways we operate in the priestly anointing is in our worship, in our praise, in our personal communion and, and praise and worship of our Father. We also get to do it when we pray and intercede for others. You know that old phrase, stand in the gap? Brother and sister, we're going to stand in the gap for them. Growing up, you know, as a kid, you're like, okay. <laughs> I don't see any holes. <laughs> but what does that mean? That means I'm going to stand in the place of someone else. And here, stand up here. You're active today. <clears throat> If I am interceding for someone, John is not praying. He refuses to pray. Not really, but just he's pretending right now to not pray. Okay, so John is not a praying person. He's not praying for himself. He's not seeking God for himself. When I stand in the gap, I begin to pray for John. I am standing here in John's place asking God to bless John's life, asking God to do something in John's heart, asking God to touch John's mind, touch John's body, touch his relationships, touch his, touch his thinking, touch his emotions, move in John's life. I am interceding. I am, I am standing in between him and God and saying, God, you do something. I'm operating as a, with a priestly anointing. Thank you. Do we also have the anointing of the prophet? Absolutely. God says, hey, desi- eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. In other words, you know, I w- Paul says, I wish you would all prophesy. In other words, we all have the opportunity as believers in Jesus because of the anointing. That means we have the spirit that has been rubbed into us and the likeness of Jesus is rubbed into us. The fruit of the spirit is the likeness of Jesus, the character of Jesus. And we get that rubbed into us. We begin to look like him and then we begin to act like him because we have the power, the gifts of the spirit and the, the power that comes with that. So the body of Christ now is the representatives to the world of what the anointed ones look like. I've been reading this book. Just Actually, I've been, I read it. I just finished reading it because I wanted to finish it before I preached the message on the anointing. And so I... Actually, I can't remember if Early woke me up and I might have two more pages. But <clears throat> woke me up from sleeping with a book, right? Um, <clears throat> I love what Leslie Kegel, this, is, this guy is an amazing man of God. Uh, he's the Foursquare Global Leader. He's in Sri Lanka. He's the national leader in Sri Lanka. He's just one of the most anointed guys. There I go, throwing the word around. He's the most, one of the most anointed guys I've ever seen or heard in my life. Uh, literally, he walks down the streets sometimes and demons will cry out because, just because he's there. In other words, that tells you how much... Oil has been rubbed into his life. He is, he's pretty saturated. And so he wrote a book called The Spirit of the Lord is Upon Us. And he has 25 keys to the anointing. So I just want to read one little section here. It says this. While all believers are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, see Romans chapter 8, the obvious truth is that some walk more closely in the Spirit. The anointing is an impartation of someone, not something. 
that brings glory to God. It is not a flow of some supernatural energy or power. It is a person, the Holy Spirit, in our lives. And he quotes, Pastor Bill Johnson states it succinctly, This anointing is actually the person of the Holy Spirit upon someone to equip them for supernatural endeavors. Therefore, the anointing is a lifestyle of intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit as Jesus perfectly modeled. The anointing flows out of a relationship that is refined through a lifestyle. Too many believers... See the acquisition of the anointing as if they are Clark Kent just about to enter the phone booth and emerging as Superman. One doesn't request the anointing for a momentary supernatural manifestation. It flows from a set-apart life. The anointing as described in the Old Testament, especially in Exodus chapter 40 was a lifetime commitment to a lifestyle of consecration to God. Kingdom key number 25. Moving in the anointing flows from a lifestyle of intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Who wants this book? If I didn't see your way, we have some for sale out there too. <laughs> if you want more, if you, even if you don't want to pay for it, we'll order them for you. Um, so we are anointed with a person. And we are anointed for a lifestyle. Not for just a momentary event. And I think that is one of the biggest paradigm shifts that we must have because here's the deal the church for too long has been stuck with the anointing on Sunday morning we've been too long stuck with the anointing for us just a special occasion when it, the anointing is a lifestyle of living out who Jesus is full of the spirit with the power and the presence of God in our lives affecting everyone around us the anointing looks like the life of Jesus. Yeah, there's the miracles, there's the great things, but there's also the, the, the great points of suffering, the great points of challenge, the great points of sacrifice, the, the tender, tender moments where you must reach into someone's dark life. The anointing is, is so much more. And my prayer for us is that as we continue to allow God to rub into us that we'll, we'll begin to see we're, we'll no longer look just like a plain piece of wood we'll look like we've been marked and rubbed in with something special and people will notice how'd you get that in your life How many bottles of oil we got in here? We don't even know where the oil is up here, I bet. You do know where the oil is. We're going to start an anointing chain this morning to close us off. 
So if you want to stand up. There you start with one. Greg, you want to come up here? We're just going to have us three start, start the anointing chain. So what we're going to do is we're going to close today just as a, a sign of who, who God has already anointed us. And just saying yes to God is I'm going to anoint, for example, I'm just going to anoint Russell. I'm going to bless him. We're not going to, this isn't time for long prayer. I mean, if you want to pray long, whatever. But anoint the person after you and then pray, okay? So I'm going to anoint Russell. And then Russell's going to take the anointing oil and he's going to anoint his wife, Tina. And then Tina's going to anoint, take the anointing oil and turn to the next person that's close to her. That sounds like a good thing. So right now we're going, to, we're going to believe for God to rub in a little bit more of who he is in our lives. So Father, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, this is sweet time in your presence. As sometimes it can be, the anointing can make us loud and sometimes it makes us real quiet. And both are really good. And so, just your gentle strength and voice speaking to us right now. We thank you for allowing us to live a lifestyle of the anointing, God. That we are not just looking for a one-time thing or, or a flash here and a flash there, God. We, we ask for just a lifestyle that represents you and represents the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We honor you today, Father God, for all your goodness and all your blessings and because you're the one who thought up all this, that we could be in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. You are blessed to go. If you still need prayer for something specific, come on up and we'll pray for you. Have a wonderful rest of your Father's Day.